joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. This morning, Father, we thank you. We can sing your praise. We can rejoice in our victory this morning. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. What a, what a great uh, worship set we had there. Love it. And then Brittany on the bass guitar. My, my, my youngest. Awesome. So great. Well done, team. And uh, everybody, welcome to church. Um, really, really love being in church. Welcome, everybody. I guess I said that. Um, uh, can I just have one of those um, cards, the, the, the cards? I, I seen a, um, a sh- um, yeah, one of them, thanks. I seen a, um, um, a shirt. It, it, uh, has anybody seen the seatbelt shirts? Have you seen them? They're a shirt that looks like you got a seatbelt on? <laughs> I would never wear one of them, right? I was kind of wishing I had one yesterday. I didn't get fined, but... Sometimes those extra things, you know, there's a, there's a lot of extra stuff to do and you're just going a short distance. And I just thought, how clever, like a, a, just a pl- plain old t-shirt with a nice black band across here. I thought, I thought that's just brilliant. Um, and you know, I was thinking how that absolutely applies so much to our, our Christian walk, um, how that, um, you know, we have the, we, we, so this is, this is what I've learned. In motivational speaking, they say that people who go to most motivational talks, um, they help about 10% of the people. Because, because people in general think that because you know something, it'll work. And, and, and so just because we know the Bible doesn't mean it'll work. Um, it's kind of like pulling on a seatbelt shirt. Like, who are you kidding? Right? Because they're, 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 they were really designed for our safety. I'm going to trick the system. I'm just going to put on a shirt with a little black band across it. And um, so, th- so, so I'm very, in, maybe I'm just overly pragmatic about stuff, but if the, the, when the Bible doesn't work, it kind of, um, you know, I get irritated because it's meant to work. But, but things don't work, the Bible doesn't work, or truth doesn't work because we know it. It works because we practice it. <laughs> and, and that's sort of the difference. And so, if you're visiting this morning, um, I'm really, really glad you're here. We're so glad we've welcomed you twice now, so feel welcomed. But I wanna, I'm gonna do a little bit of family business. And this, is, this doesn't happen normally, but we're just gonna do a little family business. By the way, um, Michaela, one of our worship leaders, leads the SHE, the Women's Department of our Church. What a phenomenal job she's done this year in leading that. And just wanna say, on Thursday morning, they've been doing the um, redemptive gifts, and that's just really, really, ha- really been great. And in, in um, about a month, we're gonna have Jenny Gilpin here from, from England, who um, just a month and a half ago was having dinner with the Prime Minister in England. Extremely influential lady is gonna be speaking at our uh, women's um, every woman thing. Yeah, so th- th- is that, does it cost? 
Okay, well, it should. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to just do a little uh, snapshot for everybody, and this happens, uh, it should happen fairly regularly. It's, we're kind of going to have a, I want to talk about finances this month. And, um, and I think we should because the Bible talks about it. And uh, so I want to give you a snapshot, a little bit of a, a picture of where we're at and, and how finances work in the church. And I try to separate church business from the business of church because they are a little bit separate. Uh, one, of the, one of the surefire reasons, the Bible says without vision, the people perish. Well, the, uh, the other side of that is without m- money, the vision perishes. Because you need, you need money to make the, the everything work. And... Um, so I need to talk to us this month a little bit about money, and typically we don't um, do talks on money while we're doing a, uh, a money campaign, but, but it just so happened that's what we're doing, and the board had decided this would be a great thing to do, and I want to give you a snapshot of how we deal with finances in our church, and then I want to talk about um, one of the four wheels on, on personal finance. And, um, and so I just want to tell you how we make, basically how we make some decisions in our church around budget. Um, the first thing I want to mention is we don't do upward projections. So every year when we set a budget, we, we, um, we don't specifically set a faith budget. We budget based on last year's income. That's what we do. Um, the reason is this is what we know took place. And uh, even though we have faith to do some stuff, we base our next year's budget on what actually came in last year. And that's kept us in good shape and not got us into trouble in the last 22 years. And so we continue to do that. Um, Secondly, we depend upon the faithful giving of everybody and and have decided that we're not going to use guilt. Guilt is an incredible motivator. It's just not biblical. So... We don't, we don't want to use any forms of guilt, but we believe that the Bible is fairly specific about our giving. And it gives, I think, four methods of giving. Second um, Corinthians chapter nine says that we should give proportionately. So not everybody needs to give the same, but if you've been really blessed, you should really give. If you've been a little bit blessed, you give a little bit. It's proportionate. Secondly, it's, it's it's consistent. Said that ever that, that we're to give regularly. In order for us to m- fulfill our budget, we need to basically know what's coming in, and we use the last month to project forward into our, our current month. Thirdly, giving should be cheerful. That means there shouldn't be any remorse connected to it. It should be cheerful. And however you want to define that, you should be happy about giving. The, giving is a privilege. Giving is a joy. And so you should be happy about that. Um, so it should be cheerful. It should be proportionate. It should be uh, regular. Um, I think it's like, like on the, we base our giving on, on the, our pay schedule. So if you're paid every week, I think you should give every week. If you're paid every two weeks, if you're paid once a year, then you get that, right? It just should be regular. It should be cheerful. And lastly, I think that giving should be... Um, should be sacrificial. It should actually impact our lifestyle a little bit, right? So again, these are increments of of growth perhaps, but we depend on the faithful giving of everyone and we treat the money that's given as toonies given by single moms, that every dollar, every dime is really, really important. And so our board of about six of us now, I think, 
um, makes very prayerful, considerate decisions, and we don't, um, and we just try to keep that within those, those confines. Uh, number three, uh, we believe it's important to use principles of faith, obedience, and sacrifice, just like we ask people. We think as a church we should make the same type of decisions, as well as best business practices. That includes being meticulous in accounting, blameless in budgeting, wise spending, along with fairness, benefits for staff, um, and commitments and generosity. And number four, that this is all to be done in the context of major technological changes and electronic handling of resources. Gosh, has, has, has electronics ever changed the way that we give? How the way they, right? And it's not just a sign of the uh, end times and the cashless society. Uh, it's, just, it's just where we're at right now, and we gotta be aware. Uh, is it only like, I remember when people would give like uh, cash or check. We've got six different methods of giving. And, um, and we never ever would have thought, who would have thought we'd give, give on your phone? Phones were used for talking on back in the day. And so anyway, we're trying to keep that all working and trying to balance that all off. And those are basically some of the, the principles that, that we function in handling our finances here at the church. So, so what we've done is based on last year's budget is that we budgeted uh, the, for this year, uh, $1.5 million to run all of the operations, all of the ministries. It takes about $1.5 million to run it all. Um, that's divided by 52, is $29,000 a week. Uh, on a, the average, uh, since the beginning of January, we have averaged $23,000 per week. And over the last year, we have functioned based on the current trends, we are $70,000 below our uh, expenses. So we have kept all of our expenses in line based on our uh, the income that we've got because we budget based on what came in the previous month. And if you'll remember at Christmas time, we gave a, a gift to our city of $25,000 as well as $5,000 to a church plant in Iran. So this was, this is what, so at $70,000 and giving away uh, 30, we are really only at minus 40 for the year. All right, so that's, that, that's, that's life. In the last 22 years, we've, we, we've seen the incredible faithfulness of God on our finances. So that's just the story. How the Lord's gonna provide for us, um, that's sort of up to him, but I think it's important that we inform you honestly about where the situation is at. So, so we also have some capital costs that we would like to see happen this year. Uh, the, the one thing that's really important to us is that we continue providing a facility for our family ministries and our youth ministries, and so we've got, we've got a portable out back, that double wide, that needs to be skirted in, right? So that's, the, and that will give us new facility, or usable facilities. Um, the youth are trying to claim that, but um, we'll see how that goes. Um, we also want to have a play center out back. I, we, I love having kids around, and we love uh, them ripping around under our feet while we've got hot coffee. And uh, so we think that it's important to get a, have a first-class, super cool play center for the kids. And so that's an important thing for us. Um, those of you who have driven in on our parking lot, you'll notice some potholes. Uh, so this is, we've got pothole issue that we've wanted to address. And of course, as an extra cost, we've just chosen to put that on hold. 
And the other thing that we think is important is building community. And so to finish our patio out front, that before and after service and between services, we can sit down and connect with people out in a patio, uh, that's what we feel is important for us. And so we've identified those four priorities. And then the maintenance department has informed me we've got two rooftop heaters that are on their last legs. So winter ends up getting cold around here on a fairly regular basis. So we need to replace a couple of overhead heaters. So uh, sorry, rooftop heaters. So that bill uh, for us uh, comes in at right around $200,000 for those costs. So before we proceed going ahead with them, we would like to involve our entire congregation in Rise and Build expanding for the future. So you're gonna get a card handed out to you just now. They'll just, the, the, the team will hand them out to you. We'd like you to hold on to this card. Uh, so that $200,000, if 200 people committed to $1,000, um, each, uh, we would, we'd nail it, and we'd have all these extra costs covered. Um, what's really important for us is not specifically the dollar amount, but the agreement amount. <laughs> That's really important, because we do believe that, that God blesses unity. And so just consider over the next four months, so by the end of August, as money comes in, we are going to begin these projects, but not until we have the money to do it. And so we'd like to just ask you to prayerfully consider your part in Rise and Build, uh, expanding for our future, to try and cover off some of these capital costs without dipping into any of our savings or our emergency funds. And that's the update, and that's the family business. Now, take your Bibles, and I didn't get this passage to the, um, to the, the team, so, so here we go, um, talking about stewardship this morning, and take your Bibles and turn to uh, Genesis chapter 12. That took a little longer than I thought. Um, so I'm going to maybe just skip that first point and just go right into chapter, yeah, right there. So um, one, of the, one of the four things I want to cover this, the, over this month um, in terms of understanding money is the first point is I want to try and cover this morning is the point that we are not owners, we're stewards. And we, we know the Psalm 24 where the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and it all belongs to him, but we don't always necessarily live like that because we, yeah, the earth's okay, but my finances are my own, right? And so just thinking about this and, and, I, and I've I've often tried and read through Acts 20, 35, where it says it's more blessed to give to, than to receive. There's a great joy in giving. There's stress in striving and holding on to. But there is a joy in giving. Uh, it's been, and, and the giving, I believe, biblical giving is to give without any expectation of return primarily, even though we know we'll get a return. But we're not meant to give with that motive. Uh, we often quote Luke 6 and verse 38 where it says, give and we shall be given. But just two verses previous to that, where he talks about doing good and even lending without any, ex any expectation of anything in return. So when we give, we're to gi we are to give without actually waiting for and holding on for the outcome. We know there is a biblical principle of sowing and reaping and it's an absolute law. We know that, but in giving, we are not meant to be looking for that ROI right away. <laughs> we're to give from a pure heart, we're to give generously, and we're to give uh, cheerfully. So, so what I believe is this actually shifts our mindset from ownership to stewardship. 
and I wrote out what I would think would be the steward manifesto. My life is not my own, I have been bought with a price. My strength, my creativity, my energy, my talents and opportunities are from the Lord that I desire to utilize for his glory. I am blessed to be born in one of the most prosperous nations on the earth. I'm blessed to live in one of the most progressive and affluent times on the earth. God has blessed me and given me all the resources I have. This all comes from him for me to manage and maximize. I don't run my life the way I want to, but the way he wants me to. His, the finances he's entrusted to me are to be used at his discretion because I am a steward and I'm blessed to be a steward. Uh, the Bank of Nova Scotia sometimes says this, you're richer than you think. But if, if, you, if you are actually among those that live, let me just say this, the stat, stat I found this week that was shocking is that 1.3 billion or, or, or basically 25% of the world lives on less than $1 a day. If you're spending more than $1 a day on your basic needs, you're richer than you think. So, so we are among the most prosperous people on the earth right now. We're very blessed. And I believe that we're blessed to be a blessing. And so when I look at the life of Abraham, which I think is really uh, one of the best models for us to look at as stewardship because I see Abraham as modeling stewardship uh, right from the beginning. So chapter 12 of Genesis, and I'm going to summarize chapter 12, 13, and 14 and look at some of the decisions in, um, in his life that caused him to be understand that he was not an owner, but simply a steward. And, rem and he was reminded over and over that, that his life was a blessing to be a blessing. Chapter 12 and verse one says, the Lord told Abraham, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, leave your country, your relatives, your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. The Lord said, I will cause you to, be, to become the father of a great nation. And I will bless you, I'll make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Genesis, or sorry, Gen, uh, um, Galatians chapter three says, you and I now effectively become the Abrahamic and continue with that Abrahamic blessing because we are in Christ. Galatians chapter three and verse 14 says, through the work of Christ Jesus, God's blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. And we Christians receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So we now function under the Abrahamic covenant as well, is that, is that we are to be a blessing and that God will bless us and that being a blessing is a wonderful thing. So, so when I read, I will bless you and make you a blessing and bless those that bless you and in you will all be blessed, I think it's awesome that God chose Abraham to make him influential. That was his choice. It was, on, uh, it was not based on his great moral conduct. It was based on just God's choice that he chose to bless. And somewhere in our mindset, as we're thinking about stewardship, not just our, our uh, talents and our gifts, but our finances as well, somewhere in there, we need to begin the shift from ownership to stewardship. And that we will talk about tithing, but I think you'll be surprised of my, uh, my, my understanding of scripture on tithing, because we don't tithe as a law. 
It's not that 10% belongs to the Lord. 100% belongs to the Lord. That's our stewardship. It's all his. And it's in him we live and move and have our being. Everything that we have and everything we're caring for and all the things and your dreams and your ambitions and your giftedness, these are from the Lord. And so we steward them and we desire to maximize them. And so I look at Abraham's life. And I realize, as you read through it, that he didn't become wealthy by hard work, even though I think hard work is the second, uh, the second critical factor in managing our finances. That, that even though he worked really hard, it wasn't because of his hard work. It was because God chose to bless him. It was the blessing of the Lord that made him rich, and he added no sorrow to it. The way that he handled his wife to save his skin is absolutely pathetic. Both in chapter 12 and chapter 20. He did this twice. Pimped his wife. Are you kidding? So it wasn't his his superior Christ-like character that got him blessed. It's because God chose to bless him. It's amazing that the blessing on Abraham was independent of his integrity, even though we better be integrous in our business dealings. He was neither rewarded for his shrewd business practices or his Christ-like character. The blessing of Abraham's life was undeserved and unearned. And to think that in the final analysis that our efforts were not the source of our prosperity sometimes is difficult for us. It gets even more awesome when you'll read in chapter 13 because it says he was to leave his family, but he ended up bringing Lot along with him anyway, his nephew. Nephews are awesome, Jay. He gets, he, he's, he's blessed, and, and, nep- and, and Lot gets blessed too. You read in chapter 13. So they left Egypt, traveled north, and it said, for Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And as they continued along, uh, it says, Lot was traveling with him in verse five, and was also wealthy with sheep and cattle in many tents, but not silver and gold. Uh, I, guess, I guess having a bunch of tents, uh, awesome, but the land could not support them both, and so they had to make a decision, what are we going to do? And their servants began uh, fighting over, over grazing rights, essentially. And, and Abraham does a, a phenomenal thing. He says to Lot, well, you pick your land first. So you understand now there's no co-op feed store down the road. So if he, what he's doing is he's giving up the pasture But you understand that for him, it's okay because God has chosen to bless him. He doesn't have to strive. He doesn't have to really figure it all out. But what he does have to do is trust the Lord that God's going to come through on his word. That's what he has to do. And so him and his nephew are are having it out. And Abraham talked it over with Lot. And and this argument, he said, has to stop. After all, we're close relatives. I'll tell you what we'll do. You take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we'll separate. If you want that over there, you can have that. If you want that over there. And so it says that Abraham, or it says Lot took a long look. You wonder what's going on in this thought process, don't you? It says Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan River in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, and it was beautiful land. What's Lot doing? Lot's looking after Lot. You see, because Lot figures it's up to him to have to provide for himself. He, he thinks he's an owner, not a steward. But Abraham understands, no, I'm just a steward. 
I think sometimes even as we dedicate our children to the Lord, we have to understand that children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a gift from the Lord, and they're our stewardship. We don't own them, even though they carry our last name. The girls, for just a very short period of time, by the way, very short, very short. But they're just ours to care for for a little while. And put, so, so this is fascinating to me. He took a, this is a stunning example, I think, of stewardship. He looks, takes a long look, and he looks, and it looks like the garden of the Lord. I, I love the phrasing. So he moves his tents towards Sodom. Apparently, a fairly, uh, this was a tourist destination at the time. Lots of people were interested in Sodom at the time. Moved his tents. And, and it says that the, the, the people in this area were unusually wicked, sinned greatly against the Lord. But after Lot has gone, the Lord said to Abraham, look as far as you can, see in every direction, I'm going to give you all of this land. He's saying, here's what he said, because you have trusted me, because you understand you're simply a steward, I'm going to make that place out there that looks like the desert, I'm going to give it, I'm going to allow that to provide for your cattle. In fact, you're going to have a greater blessing because you understand you're just a steward and you're not an owner. This is a big deal. If I were a farmer at this time, this, I'm conflicted when I read through this. So he goes, no, no, you're going to be, you're going to be more prosperous in the desert than you would with lush pastors. And, and, it, and it gets worse. If you read chapter 14, Lot gets himself into trouble. Uh, Sodom gets raised, uh, sorry, raided. So Abraham has to put together a mercenary army of over 300 men. Uh, this, is, this is great. Abraham learned that Lot had been captured, and he called together his men that were born in his household, 318 of them. He, and, and he says, and, and then he, he, he returns back. He, like, he seriously kicks butt in all of these cities. He break, gets all of the plunder, and it even, it's nice. He says, Abraham and his allies recovered everything, the goods uh, that had taken Abraham's nephew Lot with his possession and all the women and other captives. Okay. I just think it's cool that they, okay. Um, think of that. Okay, so all of the plunder and all of the women. How much fuzzy girl? This is a crazy time. And, he, and, they, and they all come back. So, so watch, but just watch what happens is that he comes back and he's met by Melchizedek. And, and he, he's a priest before there was a priesthood. Which, be, right? So this is probably, Melchizedek was, this is probably a Christophany. It was probably a, a, an incarnation of Christ. But, but we don't know. He's a mystery. And he's, he's offered communion. And it says Melchizedek, in verse 19, blessed Abraham uh, with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has helped you conquer your enemies. All right, so here's another fascinating moment. Because he says, okay, Abraham, you can keep all of the plunder. Just think about it. Five cities, all of the plunder from five cities, and all of the women. Okay, let's leave the women aside. This would be in the millions of dollars. Easily in the millions of dollars. Watch what he does. This is a stunning move on Abraham's part. He refuses to take the plunder on, based on, uh, uh, on the grounds of conscience. 
Then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all of his goods, way before the law. Proportionately, he gives him a tenth. And the king of Sodom says, give back the people you've captured, but, but keep for yourself all of the goods. Abraham said, I have solemnly promised the Lord. This was a private dialogue, probably where he'd made a vow with the Lord. The God most high creator of heaven and earth. What a fascinating title. That I will not take so much as a single thread or a sandal thong. He said, I'm not gonna take a thread or a thong that doesn't belong to me. The Lord blessed him and made him a steward. But he said, I'm not going to do that based on this. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abraham rich. He said, there's one, I have one source, and that's the Lord God Most High. I can't, I'm not going to take the plunder that's rightfully mine because somebody might say that, you are the one that made me rich rather than it's the Lord that made me rich because I'm simply a steward of everything he places in my hands. Now, last point, coming down the back stretch, put on your seat belts or your seatbelt shirts. So, I, so here's what we have to begin to understand. There is no mixed message upon this. Okay. To recognize, especially if we work 40 or 60 or 80 hours a week, that we live and move and have our being in him, that every contact, every energy, every talent, every gift, every ability, every open door is the provision of God in our life. And his desire to bless us is greater than our ability to receive his blessings. And it says in Genesis now chapter 15, afterward, after what? After just what took place. After he declares the Lord as his source and after he gives away millions of dollars. Because of that, you mean there could, so what happens as a result of that? Because he did it purely on, on a basis of conscience and covenant. But what was the result of that? He said, I'm going to bless you even more because you've acknowledged that you're a steward and only a steward. And it says that, so here's what he says. The Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said, don't be afraid, Abraham. Why would he be afraid? This could have been giving remorse. It could have been warfare remorse. He might have wondered, I wonder if the, the cities that we plundered, I wonder if there's a few people left that we didn't run, run through and they're coming after us. Or I wonder if he's thinking to himself, gosh, I should have kept the, just a million or so to myself. I don't know, it doesn't, but, he's a, but he's a little bit afraid. It says, apparently, he says, don't be afraid. But he says, Lord, what's good gonna happen with all your blessings if I don't even have a son? So here's what the Lord had to do with him. He said, not only am I gonna make you a blessing, I'm gonna be your great reward, not only that, but he says, I, we, what, I, what I have to do before we move on is I have to change your thinking. And I have to remind you of my promise. Because I promise to make you a father of many nations. And I, one thing I know about the Lord is he keeps his word. So he'd made a promise. He was going to bless him and make him a blessing. So it's very clear. It's very clear that Abraham worked hard, but his, the, the favor and the blessing on his life was a result of him acknowledging that he was a steward only. God is my source, and I am his steward. I think that for me, this starting point is really, really significant. We need to be willing to say in our heart of hearts that who's the source of the blessings in our, in our life. It's easy to take our cultural cues from those around us, get all you can and sit on the can. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 7, it says one waters, one plants, but it's God who gets the increase. The harvest is in his hands. 
I'm intent on raising a church family and a physical family that is biblically sound, morally mature, and spiritually sensitive. I want to remind us that our lives and our decisions matter. And in doing so, I want to invite you over these next few months to prayerfully say, Lord, how do you want to resource through me? How do you want to do that? And so that's really between you and the Lord. So as we close today, there's something that's really important. And here's what's really important. That we learn to acknowledge that our life is no longer our own. And if you're here today and I've never acknowledged Christ as Savior, or if you've chosen to turn your back on him, or if you're unsure of your future, there's one way to solve that. It's not about giving an offering. It's about offering yourself to the Lord and acknowledging that he gave his life in exchange so that I could have a great life. And in the next minute and 30 seconds, I'd like us all to pray a very simple prayer. And it's basically like what we sang this morning. That Christ came, he died, he rose again, that we might have an awesome life. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him as savior or you've turned your back on him, this morning you can come back to him. And it's simply, it's a very simple process that we acknowledge in our heart that we're distanced from him and we need him back in our life and invite him into our life. He just waits for you to invite him into our life. If that's you here this morning, I'd like you to pray a prayer with me and we're gonna stand together right now and then we're gonna close our eyes and pray a prayer. And if that's you, right at the end of the prayer, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see who you are and then I'm gonna pray for some specific people after that. So Lord, in these moments with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, today, we're making personal acknowledgement of your Lordship in our life. And so Father, is anybody here that wants to receive you or wants to return to you? I thank that you're waiting and heaven will rejoice. So here's a prayer that we're all gonna pray together. And if you'd like to pray this, I'm not forcing this on you, but the prayer of returning to the Lord or giving our life to Christ goes something like this. Dear Jesus, we all say it together. Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I've been distant from you, but today I come back to you. I accept that you died for me and you rose again, that I could have new life. So come into my life now in great measure and restore to me the path of destiny that you've called me to. With all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you haven't prayed a prayer, if you pray this for the first time and you're coming back to the Lord and giving your life to the Lord, I just want to see your hand. Just shoot it up very quickly and then I'm going to, thank you, sir. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Is this coming back to the Lord, receiving Christ? Anybody else? Just the one. All right. So, Father, we rejoice of your very specific uh, today. You're teaching. You're teaching us from your word about stewardship. And I thank you that this week, Lord, your word will continue to refine us and shape us. And I thank you this morning, Lord, for your supernatural presence now to touch lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I believe the Lord wants to heal a very select group of people this morning.
and I'm gonna, I'd like to pray for you. The healing takes place actually when you begin to walk out. There was a man last fall, we prayed for, wanted to pray for healing and he said he was healed of um, uh, Crohn's disease. And I said, when were you healed? He said, as soon as I stepped out. That's how the Lord meets us, we just step out. So if you're here this morning and you, you have an issue with energy, that you have an adrenal system or something that's challenged or compromised, I believe the Lord wants to touch you today. If that's you, please come up very quickly that I can pray for you. Just come on up. Uh, things like fibromyalgia uh, or stuff like that that causes you to be fatigued, I want you to just come up really quickly so I can pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just come on up and stand right here. Thank you. Anybody else? Any forms of fatigue? Yeah, the Lord will heal you. And here's what he'll probably do. You may not feel a physical touch. You may, you, may, you may feel a great physical touch. But I know that I know that the Lord wants to heal anybody that's feeling drained and low of energy. I know that. So what I'd ask you to do is I pray for these ones here. I'd ask you to be in agreement with me that the Lord would touch. Because we're meant to have energy. We're meant to have passion. It's how we fulfill the vision that God's placed on our life. So just get ready to receive from the Lord now. Father, I thank you that you are the healer. And we thank you that in our movement towards you, Father, from this day forward, Lord, we declare your healing power and presence on these lives in Jesus' name. Wake up their immune system, their adrenal system, Father. We command these adrenal glands now to come back to life. Anything that's been shriveled or shrunk, Lord, in the name of Jesus, bring life, breathe life. Let the oil of your Holy Spirit just breathe upon these, these adrenal glands. They've started to dry out and weaken. God, I call them forth right now to wake up in the name of Jesus. And we, we reverse, Lord, the lies of lack of energy. And I call forth, Lord, your healing presence, Lord, to bring energy and life back to these bodies in Jesus' name. Restore life and energy, I pray, Holy Spirit. You have come to the weak and have an abundant and a full life. So, Father, from this day forward, I thank you that these ones, Lord, will feel your energy flowing through their bodies once again. And you, Lord, will have great glory because you are the one that heals us, restores us, and delivers us in Jesus' name. Everybody, thank you. Let's put our hands together. Thank you, Jesus. Through those doors walk stewards of the Lord's presence, of the Lord's gifts, of the Lord's finances. God bless you. Have an awesome week. You're released. Now go and change your world. Amen. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.